again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 38 of The Enemy of My Enemy. My second dip into the AVP fanfiction that I wrote all those years ago. As always, I do hope that you've been enjoying the retelling of that story. And if you can leave me feedback wherever you can, either at fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. It's always really appreciated. And if you ever go to ghostnobody.com, either check out Stormrider, my original tale of a human boy lost in the world of magic and dragonesses and sexy vampires and various other creatures. And also while you're there, you can pop over to the Ghostly Link section. Check out Mortis, my original novel, available on both Smashwords and now on Amazon. And hopefully soon in paperback, but that's to be, the, that's to be decided as how the hell you get a 1400-page book into 868 pages. Soon TM. So, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own this AVP or anything to do with it. I just own all the Huntresses. They're mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 38. Every rose has its thorns. She sat up and screamed as reality crashed back into her. And for a moment... She was caught between the pointed dream and reality, and upon seeing a face looming over her, she instantly saw the face of the monsters, and with the speed of the truly scared, she lashed out with her cybernetic left arm, only to have it caught in mid-swing, halting it with a loud metallic ding, so loud that it snapped her senses like rubber bands, and brought everything back into sharp focus. Standing over her, holding her metal hand, in an equally metal but bigger hand, was the same guy who'd yanked her out of the locker and carried her off the death station. But she didn't remember being brought here, or even being put into this bed, or even being stripped off. Oh, God, he'd seen her naked, hadn't he? Oh, God, don't let him get any funny ideas. She was so tired of trying to explain to the over-amorous guys that she liked girls and only girls, and then to the over-amorous girls who overheard her that she kind of only liked a very specific type of girl. In fact, a type of girl she'd only ever seen in pictures. But the moment she'd seen one, she knew that no matter what, she was holding out until she found the one. Definitely the way to go, because that wait would be so totally worth it. The guy let her hand go and smiled back at her. Welcome back, Rose. Hell of a wake-up you call you got there, he said with a grin. She actually found that, that making her smile. This guy was kind of cheeky, but in a good way. He was seemingly brimmed with a mixture of confidence and calmness, that she kind of liked. And he, to, to a pleasant surprise, wasn't leering at her the way most guys seemed to, which was nice. Where am I? she asked, her voice sounding thick and kind of scratchy. He turned and handed her a cup of water, and God, she felt like he'd handed her a cup of amber nectar. Next, he'd be handing her a slice of carrot cake, and she'd knew she was still in the fucking dream. She gulped down the water, and that's when she noticed the blood was gone. They must have washed her down, and that sent a kind of twinge of embarrassment through her. The guy noticed her looking at her clean hand. Don't worry, we got battle angels on board. Those girls cleaned you up before the doctor checked you over. Not a single damn scratch. Kiddo, gotta commend you on that one. You took down two hundred of those undead on your own. And didn't even manage to get a hand on you. 
So yeah, colour me impressed, the gay said, smiling at her warmly. There wasn't even a hint of sarcasm in his voice. What's a battle angel? She asked, wiping her mouth clear of cool, refreshing water, as she sorely needed. And the guy pointed. She turned to see who appeared to be what a rather pretty Azino girl, wearing the cutest pink armour and white, holding a chart and reading it before hissing and cooing to another. Appeared to agree whatever, with whatever she was saying. She'd always rather liked Zenos. There was just something about them. They were just so completely exotic. But in the back of her mind, she knew that there was no way one of those goddesses made flesh would ever look at her like that. Wow, you guys have Zeno nurses? She exclaimed and the guy laughed. When they need to be. Battle angels, doctors, surgeons, nurses, you name it. Those boys and girls do it all. Much like our own doctor, who was the one who treated you. Dr. Ice, the guy said, indicating a pretty black human woman who approached her and gave her a warm, friendly smile. Hey there, how are you feeling, hun? She asked. Rose nodded and looked herself over. Better, I guess. Um, the station I was on. How many made it off? She asked, and the pair of them looked at one another, and she instantly saw the look of pain and sorrow pass between them. Even though it was silent, it spoke volumes to her. Oh, shit. Just me, huh? She said, and the guy looked surprised that she'd managed to glean that from their look. But to his credit, he didn't lie to her or try and treat her like a helpless kid like most people did. That instantly knocked him up a few points in her approval rating. Yeah, but right now let's not think about that. Let's focus on getting you well and on your feet. A friend of ours from the Guardian Corps would like to sit with you and ask you some questions. You okay with that? He asked. The Guardian Corps? As in Clan Mason? She said and the guy looked surprised and nodded with a smile. That's right, he said and he gestured. She turned to see a half-human, half-yujuta male dressed in decorated armour with little charms woven into his hair dreadlocks. He smiled at her. Greetings, Rose Thornwind. My name is Ryan Mason, leader of the Beast Tamer section of the Seekers. I'd very much like to speak with you if you'll allow me the honour, he said, and she couldn't help but smile. A living legend in the flesh, standing at her bedside and telling her it was an honour to speak to her? Um, sure, okay, she said, and the guy with the metallic eye arm, whose name suddenly swam into her mind, Reaper, smiled and gestured to him. Then I'll leave the two of you to get acquainted, he said, and with that he left as Ryan took his seat and smiled at her, drawing up his mandibles into a warm smile that somehow put her at ease. Can you tell me what happened, little one? he asked, and instantly her chest clenched and she scowled. Hey, I'm not little. I'm perfectly sized, she grumped, and Ryan raised an eyebrow before laughing. But somehow he knew she knew that he wasn't laughing at her. You have a fire in your belly. That's good to see. And very well. I apologise if my comment caused you offence. It was not a slur on your height, trust me. I would never judge someone based on their height. Do you know my, that my mother is Tick Elf Mason, right? He said, and she felt confused. So? she asked, and he grinned again. Because pure blood Yujuta females are usually eight to nine feet tall, and my mother is all of six foot ten. Though I would not wish to be the person stupid enough to ma- mention or make fun of her height. 
The skull of the last person that did that is still hanging in a trophy room at home, or so my father tells me. He said, and Rose cocked her head. Seriously? she asked. He nodded. I like your mum's style, she said, nodding approvingly, and Roger embarked a laugh and nodded. I thought you might. Now, please, tell me what you remembered about what happened on the station. He said, and she tried to remember, but all she saw were flashes of distorted faces, looking slowed and ruined, mouths hanging open and agape, and a deep gnawing hunger running through their eyes, and suddenly her whole body went cold. Run, suddenly Ryan reached out and took hold of her hands in his much larger ones. It's okay, young one. Here, let me protect you, he said, and it took her a moment to realise his mouth hadn't moved. She realised his voice had reverberated through her mind. How did you do that? she asked, and he smiled at her again. We have something in common, young one. We are both dream warriors. The only difference is, I realise it, he said, and then he reached up and very gently touched her head, and instantly filled her mind with light. It was like feeling the entire world around her, and her mind felt so warm. She turned to look at Ryan, and he smiled again. Would you like the strength, little one? The strength to never be afraid again. To fight for those you love and those that love you. To stand for those that cannot stand for themselves. He said and suddenly a wave of sadness pulsed through her. The ones I love are gone. She said as flashes of her faces of her mother and father flashed into her mind. And a wave of pure grief and sadness pulsed through her. Suddenly it felt like her mind was being encased with warmth. Like her mind was being hugged. It's okay, young one. The ones we love, even when they leave us, are never truly gone. We've destroyed the station and released the souls of those caught by the vile virus. They're free now, and their torment and pain is at an end. But if you'd like, I could ask my father to help you see them again. Ryan said, and Rose's heart jumped into her throat. You, you can do that? She asked, beginning to tear up, and Ryan smiled and nodded. Rose lunged forward and threw her arms around his neck and just clung on as tight as she possibly could. Thank you. You have no idea what this means to me, she said, sobbing softly into his shoulder, and Ryan wrapped his big protective arms around her. You're welcome, young one. Now come. Come with me and let me help you take your first steps on the road I know you were meant to walk, he said softly. And then he slowly released her and he turned to Ice, who appeared in the doorway. Is she okay to leave the medical bay? he asked, and Ice nodded. As long as you bring her back for a couple of follow-ups, we've got her rehydrated and given her a super-concentrated dose of calories, so she should be okay to go, I said, and the battle angels behind her nodded in agreement. God, they just look so cute in their candy cane armour. He helped her to her feet and suddenly she realised she was wearing one of those backless and assless gowns. She instantly became aware that she was completely naked under it and so very aware that she was in a room with pretty Zeno girls. She flushed bright crimson as the embarrassment caught her, crept up her face. A large, powerful hand planted on her shoulder. Don't you worry, young one. We have clothes for you. Not going to make you walk around with your ass hanging out, he said and she suddenly felt instantly relieved. He gestured for her to follow him. As she walked through the medical bay, she glanced into one of the other rooms 
and she saw what appeared to be a snow-white walking-talking dragoness with, a, with snow-white scales and a young human guy about her age with her. The dragoness was wrapped around the young protect, guy protectively as they talked to the battle angel, who appeared to be giving them good news. And she heard the dragoness say, Yay, you're finally fully well, my beautiful human. Now, finally, I can romance the shit out of you, before hugging him tightly and wrapping her tail and wings around him. Ryan noticed her watching them, and then laughed. There's a lot of interspecies romance here on this ship. You have a lot of special forces here, and they tend to take their love very seriously. When you know that literally any day you can be your last, you tend to grab on and hold on tight to any chance of happiness you can get which is literally kind of one of the core foundations of my clan, as it happens, Ryan said, and then seeing Rose's confusion and intrigue, he smiled even broader. She's a draconis. Think of Scalathor with wings, he said, and suddenly she got it and nodded knowingly. Scalathor girls were proper aggressive. And by the way, the snow-white draconis girl was cuddling her human to death. Her kind were no different. Well, okay, damn. This thing is both form-flattering and kind of revealing all at the same time. Am I going to get busted for walking around like this? Rose said, looking down at the skin-tight jet-black body stock in like suit. But damn, it was warm and comfy. But fuck, it didn't leave much of the imagination. Provided by the spirits on board. They wear them under their armour. And to be fair... A lot of the Guardian Corps are making the switch. They're better than the ones we have because they're temperature sensitive. They keep you warm in the cold and cold in the warm. Plus, they seem to be going down well with the Ojuta girls who want to show off for the Oomans on board. Even if they are already taken. Ryan said with a laugh as he stepped out to the changing room from the booth. And kind of see why. But damn if it isn't comfy though. She said turning around to look at it. Ryan grinned at her and nodded. Yeah, you're definitely going to turn some pretty Zeno heads, that's for sure. He said and rose froze solid, looking up at him slowly. H- how do you... D- no, 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 about that. I've never told a soul about that. She exclaimed in a mixture of anger and fear gripping her heart. And Ryan just beamed at her knowingly. Hate to say this, young one, but you have no secrets from me. I walk in your mind when I want to... And it comes with being a dream warrior. This is something I wish to give to you too. But I also want you to know something. That it is something that you do not need to feel shame for. And when I truly hope you do, join Clan Mason as the tamer that I know you are destined to be. You will see who you truly are as well. And that is not wrong. There is nothing wrong with you at all, Rose. Nothing. Ryan said, and suddenly the anger that was ebbing through her dissolved, because it was hard to be angry with someone who had just said the words that she'd hoped to hear her whole life. You honestly believe that I can be a dream warrior? There's no way that nobody like me could be one, she said, and Ryan put a hand on her shoulder. Well, you already are, young one. You just need to embrace it. We can help you truly become who you were meant to be. We can give you the training to go with the strength that you already have. You just need to take the right step to embrace it. Now, come, take my hand and let's go see my father. We'll see if he can set you on the right path that you need to be on, he said, offering her his hand. 
Hesitantly, she took it and let him lead her through the ship. Ryan led her to an observation deck where they found a pure-blood human man dressed in golden armour with a white cloak running down his back. He stood with a female Yejuta locked in a tight embrace. It, looked, it was at that point that Rose realised who she was looking at. Three living legends in the same room. You're J Jack Mason, and you're Tick Elleth Mason, Rose exclaimed, looking between the pair, and they seemed to turn and smile at her. And you must be Rose Thornwyn. It's very good to meet you, young one, Jack said, smiling, and Tick Elleth moved to stand in front of her, and Rose's mouth dropped open. And you, and oh God, I have to say this, please forgive me in advance, Tick Elleth. You're a legend, an absolute hero to us short girls everywhere. You prove to a universe that us short girls are just as good and strong as tall women, and a height means nothing. You're my hero, my absolute hero, Rose said painfully overware as she fact she'd just gone gushy, full-on fangirl right in front of the legendary huntress. Jack Mason just laughed and nodded as Tickell seemed to be conflicted. Obviously a part of her was angered at being called short but another was flattered at being called a hero for it. Jack patted his life's mate hand and smiled up at her. Thank you, young woman. It wasn't exactly what I wished to be known for. I am who I am, and wish to simply be respected for my accomplishments, not my size. But my own kind could not see past it, not until this beautiful woman came into my life and lit up my heart with joy that I realised that it truly does mean nothing. He recognised me for who I am and made me proud of myself. He gave me the confidence in myself and made me realise that it wasn't my problem, but everyone else's, Tick said, and Rose nodded eagerly in agreement. Patriarch, can you help our young dream warrior here find some closure? She wishes to say goodbye to her family, Ryan said, and Jack nodded. Indeed I can. I'm glad you have asked my beloved son. In fact, I sense the mark of a rather powerful tamer in this one, he said, looking Rose over, and Ryan nodded in agreement. I sense a powerful love of nature and the world around her, a sense of curiosity and wonder that all tamers need. I believe she has the power, potential to come, become one of the most powerful tamers I have seen in quite a while, Ryan said, and Jack nodded in agreement, and Rose felt so completely shocked and flattered. She couldn't believe that this was actually happening to her. She was a nothing, a nobody. But three living legends were believing in her, offering her not only a new life, but a new way of life. How does something like this happen to someone like her? Then, out of nowhere, as she never saw him move, Jack just appeared right in front of her, and he touched her head. In a flash, everything turned white. Where, where are we? She exclaimed, looking round at the pure whiteness around her. Welcome to Purgatory, Jack said, appearing next to her. She looked around nervously and he laughed. Don't worry, young one. It's not as bad as it seems. It's more a meeting place for spirits. So that they can come from whatever afterlife domain they reside in directly to us. Just like these two here, he said, pointing over her shoulder. Rose turned only to have her heart explode in her chest as she saw the two figures standing behind her. M Mom? D Dad? 
Oh my God, they're actually here! She screamed and threw herself into the, threw herself into the arms of the two spirits who embraced her. To her amazement, they felt as solid, real, and as warm as her. My baby, my beautiful baby girl. Oh, you have no idea how happy I am to see you safe and okay. The mother cried, clinging to her as tightly as she could. My baby girl is alive. Oh, thank you, Godslayer. Thank you so much for saving our baby girl, the father said, clinging to her, tears streaming down his face. Which even set Rose off as she'd never seen her father cry, other than in the video of her birth, of holding her in his arms for the first time. To see this incredible, strong, powerful, loving man crying his eyes out set her off, and Rose sobbed her young heart out as she clung to them both. It wasn't me that did it. It was one of our very good friends, the brothers and sisters in arms, the spirits, that led that operation, along with the help of our other friends. There was a spirit called Reaper and Marcio pulled her out of there and protected her, Jack said, and her parents nodded in understanding as they clung to her daughter. Be sure to thank them all, thank them for us, and tell them that they will always be heroes to us, Rose's mother said, and Jack smiled and nodded. Don't worry, I will. And do not worry your beloved one is in good hands with us. Your daughter is one of us, a dream warrior. She will be the end, under the instruction and training of the strongest beast tamer this universe has ever seen. My beloved son, Ryan Mason. He will turn your daughter into a force of nature. will fight for justice and protect other innocents as we have protected her. This is how she pays forward what has happened to her. She will have the chance to be the one knowing the joy of seeing the beauty of the lives she saved, blossoming in this universe, and knowing that she had a hand in bringing that beauty to life, Jack said. Both her parents thanked him profusely. Rose, know this. We will always be watching over you, no matter where you are or what you do. We will always be proud of you and will always love you, her mother said, and with a bright smile. And then her father patted her shoulder. Oh, and when you find yourself a pretty Zeno girl who loves and respects you the way you deserve to, make sure you love that girl the way she deserves. You give her everything that you are, and nothing less. Your whole heart. You hear me, young lady? Her dad said, and Rose's mouth fell open. You, you know, she exclaimed, and her father barely laughed loudly. Eh? I know what browser history is, even if you don't. B, we're dead, and we see everything. But don't worry, we won't invade your privacy. When you're alone with your girl, you truly will be. And don't worry, we love you completely, so don't you dare be ashamed of either yourself or of her. You stand tall at her side. You puff out your chest and say, This is the woman I love, he said, and Rose sniffed and wiped her nose on her spiritual sleeve. I will, Daddy. I promise you, I'll make you both proud, I swear it, she said, and they both hugged her. We already are, baby, we already are, her mother said, and with that they said their final goodbyes. Her mother and father waved and vanished into the ether, Then Jack walked up and touched her, and with a sharp, sharp rush of breath seemed to just burst into her lungs. They were back in the room. Rose dove at Jack and hugged him so tightly it actually made Tick twitch. 
until Ryan laid a hand on his mother's shoulder and shook his head. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you, Jack, she said, clinging to him tightly, and he patted her gently on the head. You're welcome, young one. No, you can repay us by embracing who you are. Now go with my son and let him train you. Do him and your new family proud, young tamer, he said, and she nodded. I will. I swear it to you, she said, and with that Ryan stepped forward and took her by the shoulder and gently steered her away to take the next step of her life. So he's okay? He's totally healed now, she asked, looking at the battle angel called Zen, who just smiled at her and nodded. Leon's as good as new. His bones have meshed and gelled wonderfully. The nanites have bonded them together. And other than some slight thickening in the bones where the breaks are, which is normal in humans, he's in perfect health now, she said, smiling. She threw her arms around Leon in an expression of pure joy. And before she even knew what she was going to do, she found herself wound around him, wrapping her tail and wings around him, utterly adoring the feel of the young human, as she pressed her wonderful body against his wonderful body against her, just revelling and holding him tightly. Ever since he'd let her feel his feelings be known to her, she hadn't left his side, apart from her training sessions with the dream warriors who had trained her to become a saviour, before transferring her to a new boss. Lady Seller Elith. Lady Seller was incredible. She was a renowned sniper like her father before her, and due to her looks and abilities with a long-range rifle, she had become known as Cupid's Arrow. She was beloved by all her saviours, because it was just, just as well known that, just like any of the Mason family, she would happily stand on the front lines with her troops shoulder to shoulder with them and fight alongside them. And she was quite a figure alongside that. She was a really nice person, kind and thoughtful, but also powerful and passionate. True role model for them all to believe in. Come on, let's go take a walk, shall we? She asked, gripping Leon's arm tightly and leading him out of the medical bay and into the corridor. She led him by the hand through the ship and Chase smiled at the people they passed. Halcrath, Section 5, Guardian Corps, even spirits. This ship was awesome. It was like a special forces medley she especially liked the admiring glances that her human was getting from the single female members of the crew that they passed by. They passed by a pair of young Yuta females from the Halcrath who were chatting in the hallway, and both moved to let them pass, and she heard one of them refer to her as Lucky Dragon, as they caught sight of the pretty human she was towing along with her, which made her smile, because that's exactly how she felt. The observation deck was a place for the crew to relax a bit in between missions. It was kind of like a garden in space, boasting beautiful flower beds and small bonsai trees from Earth in rows with grassy little rows everywhere. They were all maintained by little robots that scurried around, spraying water on them and pruning and tending the flowers. It was like a little oasis of tranquility in space, a bastion of peace. She found a nice little polished wooden bench next to the window, and they sat down next to one another, and Shay instantly scooted over, coiling both her tail and a wing around Leon possessively. Her instincts were telling her to do far more than that, but she was resisting them. She never ever wanted to scare this kind, beautiful, gentle, sensitive human away from her. Yes, she was dominant. She was a dominant one. She couldn't help it. Being a draconis but she would never push herself on him. 
She desperately didn't want to scare him off. This was the first human who had ever let her get this close to him without fear of her. He was a little apprehensive, but he'd confessed to her how he felt, and she could feel him letting those feelings bloom, and that's exactly what she wanted. Just like one of these little robot gardeners delicately tending their little beautiful charges, she wanted to tend his feelings, water them, care for them, and watch them bloom inside of him to reveal their beauty. Her own private little garden of love made flesh. The pair of them watched the members of March's Hive having an impromptu play fight in the middle of a grassy area and served for things like picnics. There a beautiful orange tree right in the centre that filled the air with the wonderful citrus smell of oranges. Leon laughed softly as he, she looked at him curiously. What? she asked and he turned to her with a beautiful radiant smile plastered on his handsome features that warmed her heart and made her tail twitch happily. Oh, I was just thinking how nice it is to see such carefree joy. Once upon a time you told me that it was, it was such a good thing to have a nice, as a good or a nice Zeno, and have laughed in your face and called you crazy. But now, it's like my world just changed so drastically, so fast, and I think it's amazing. I mean, look at the Guardian Corps. They're a symbol of hope and love across the galaxy. I always dreamed that one day I'd get enough money together to run away and try and find them, and to join them. I thought that maybe, just maybe, not only could I be useful to them somehow, but maybe, just maybe, that in their ranks would be a beautiful alien angel just for me, someone from across the stars who I could lavish my love on, who I could make the very centre of my entire universe who I could show my whole self to and be accepted for who I am by. But the whole bloody time turned out that my own very own scaly angel was living on New Britannia the whole time and just didn't know it, he said, smiling at her a little shyly now. Oh, by the great tree, he couldn't be more adorable if he tried. You know, I know exactly what you mean, she said, and he glanced up and met her eyes questioningly. You do? He asked, and she nodded. For so, so long I used to look up at the stars from, to the place of my birth, to the home of my people. I used to wonder and ask the great tree, where is the one for me? Where is the human that I crave? Why is he hidden from me? When all I want is to be a good draconis. I know I've made mistakes, and that I've scared people away by my actions. Sometimes it used to hurt when I would see females grab their mates and when others would see, when they would see me or mothers would grab hold of their sons in order to protect them from me as if I was going to grab their boy and fly off with him somewhere and ravish him. But then I can't blame them either. The stories of what the females of my race do to their males are only half of it. But I'm not like them. I'm not a violator or a mate forcer. I wouldn't hurt anyone who didn't deserve it. And by that I mean hurt others and threaten them. That goes infinitely higher for you, Leon. I want you to hear it from my lips and see the truth in my eyes as I say it. I will never hurt you. I I love you, Leon. You're my world and I will fight to the last breath until the great tree calls me home to the mountains of paradise to keep you safe. I swear it to you, she said, smiling at him softly. Leon moved so fast she barely even registered it. He leaned in and kissed her like lightning 
and then popped back and gave her a cheeky smile that made her laugh. Stealing kisses, my love? She asked, smiling at him. You can steal it back if you want to, he said playfully, and she laughed before moving forward with a dipped motion that hooked both of her curved horns into his hair, and with three quick rotations of her head, she'd wound his hair tight so that both their faces were only an inch apart and he couldn't escape her. Don't mind if I do, she said in a sultry voice before pressing her mouth to his and revelling in the pure softness and warmth of his human lips. Using her mouth, she managed to push his mouth open, and as soon as his lips parted, she darted her tongue into his mouth, and the sweetest taste in the whole world hit her, as she coiled her tongue around his possessively, and delighted in not only the taste, but the feel of it, the smoothness, the width, and the softness of it. His tongue was much wider than hers, and... His Hers was much narrower than his. She held him in a tight, loving, deep and gentle, but at the same time possessive and kind of dominant kiss. When they parted, his eyes were misty and unfocused, and quickly she unwound her horns from his hair, releasing him and freeing him. She looked at him, checking for any hints of fear and worry in his beautiful green eyes. But there were none. Once they cleared, they looked. he looked happy. Wow, hot and hell of a kisser. Guess I get a double win, eh? He breathed and she beamed as a laugh broke out of her. She'd never been called a good kisser before. It flattered her deeply and her instincts were firing up like an engine spinning up in deep inside her. I was just thinking the same about you, Leon. She purred softly, stroking his face and he leaned into her touch, reaching up and holding her hand against his cheek. God, I love the way you look at me, Shay. The way I've wanted to be looked at my whole life. The way none of my own kind ever has. You look at me like I'm beautiful. Like I'm special. And I'm not going to lie, I adore it. Because it's exactly how I look at you. He said, and she smiled. Leaned in to nuzzle her scales against his silk soft skin as his cheek and neck. Adoring the soft warmth. That's because you are special. And you are beautiful, my Leon. I've waited my whole life to show my true self to someone and to have them to accept me for who I am. To really see me. And you did that in ten seconds flat. I pull you out of the air and the first words out of your mouth is to call me an angel. I just knew in that moment that I'd caught my prey. Just like any good draconis girl should. But in a different way. I didn't hunt you down and make you mine. You were already mine just as I was already yours. And now it's time for me to prove that I'm worthy of the gift of your love, she said, nuzzling him. He nuzzled her right back. You already have my scaly angel. The moment you plucked me out of the air in certain death, you proved to me that miracles exist. And so do angels. So if anything, it's up to me to prove to you that what you caught is worthy of you. He said softly, kissing the side of her head and neck, making her gasp and growl softly. The engine rev increased dramatically, and she couldn't take it any more. Um, Leon, I know that you've only just healed, and feel free to say no to this. But I asked to ask, because I'm going crazy right now. She began, and Leo took, Leon took hold of her face and cupped it in his beautifully warm hands looking right into her eyes to the point that she felt like their souls were being forced together. Yes, 
he said, and her mouth fell open. You don't even know what I'm going to ask, she said, and he shook his head. Don't care. I would do anything for you, Shay. You're my heart's guiding star, and there isn't a single thing that I would deny you. So whatever it is you want of me, if I can give it, I will. So just like that, yes, he said, and Shay felt so completely happy that her tail felt like it was going to fly off, and her heart was like it would burst. She clung to him tightly, and then she got up and lifted him by the hand till he stood next to her. She put her arm around his slender shoulders and kept a wing over them like a cloak. As they walked back through the garden, she saw Tank and Moodstone taking a nice romantic stroll together, and the pair of them smiled brightly and somewhat knowingly at them. As they passed by, Moodstone leaned into Shay and Tank leaned into Leon. Be gentle. They might be fragile, but their love is strong. Like a good fire. Stoke it right, and it will warm you for a lifetime. Moodstone hissed in Shay's ear, and Shay nodded in agreement. From her side, she saw Leon, saw Tank lift back, and Leon nodded. I will, I promise, he said softly, and Tank parted his shoulder through her wing. Good lad, Tank said, and with that, the pair moved off with a wave. And they walked hand in hand to the garden, looking every bit the cut interspecies couple utterly in love. Shay watched the way Moodstone's tail swished with pure happiness as she walked hand in hand with her gigantic male. Plus the look of pure tender love the tank gave her when he thought she wasn't looking. Like when she marvelled at a butterfly flitting about between the pretty flowers. Finally that could be her too. A loving, gentle, beautiful human to call her own. One she could dote on and be doted on by. So what did Tank say to you, anyhow? She asked curiously and shot her a devilish smile that set her heart on fire, not to mention her loins. You first. Tell me what Moonstone said to you and I'll tell you what Tank said to me. He said she couldn't help but like that little spark in him. She didn't want a truly submissive male. Someone who would just do what she said because she said it. She knew that that kind of went against everything that people perceived as being. That is what made her different. She wanted an equal, a partner, a lover, not a possession or a toy. That wasn't to say that her dominant side wasn't going to make an appearance from time to time. But she wanted someone who would not only love her, but challenge her, stand up to her. Because in her mind, that meant that they were with her because they wanted to be. Not because she'd scared them into being with her. And to her utter delight, that shone through in Leon. He might be gentle and sensitive, but he was no pushover. She laughed and grinned at him. She told me to be gentle with you, that while your race might be kind of fragile compared to us, your love is more than worth it. They're like a saying on my home world, a fire tended and stoked just right will warm you for a lifetime. She told me that's what human love is, she said, and he smiled warmly. Tank said that scaly love is the best love in the universe. It's both burning hot and powerful, and that I need to be careful because how I handle it. Because if I do it just right, I will never find anyone as loyal or as passionate for my entire life. Then he may be promised to be utterly open with you, to show you no in, in no uncertain terms who I am. Because you have searched a lifetime to understand and know what human love and the human heart are. 
he made me promise to show you that that's who I am and to give you whatever your heart wants because you will give it back to me. And it will not only be of equal value but a treasure so precious it'll make me feel like I'm the richest man in history. So I promised him. She felt herself tearing up and she threw her arms around him and clung to him. The fact that he had made so easily and readily made a promise like that to him for her. It showed the real metal of the man she had. She knew exactly what Tank was talking about because right now she felt like she was the richest woman in history. Shay's heart was pounding like a jackhammer as she led Leon back to her quarters. Well, technically it was their quarters, but she'd been sleeping on the couch as until he was fully healed. She had point-blank refused to share the bed with him, no matter how much he insisted he was fine, because she knew that if she did, she wouldn't have been able to keep her hands off him, and the very thought that her actions could potentially cause him more harm disgusted her so completely that she'd put her foot down. But now, now he was all better. Now he was fair game, and he was hers for the taking. But she'd sworn a sacred vow to herself and to the great tree, the moment she'd entered into a relationship with him. She would never lay a single claw on him that he did not ask for. She would never pressure him or make him feel uncomfortable or like he was a piece of meat. She never wanted him to beg for it either. She wanted what they shared to be given completely freely by both. Complete equal. An utterly new concept to her kind who were used to taking what they wanted and never feeling guilty about it. She guided her beautiful male into the bedroom for their little slice of privacy. And as they reached the foot of the bed, she spun him in her arms and kissed him deeply. She got the instinct to shove him onto the bed roughly, but she completely ignored it. In time, she knew and trusted that they would be able to show and reveal her true passions to him unreservedly. But this was their first time together. And what's more, this was his first time full stop. A fact that he'd revealed to her rather soon after they'd made their relationship official that he'd never been touched before. So to him, this was a doubly special night and she was determined to make it the most wonderful and beautiful experience she could for him. She would make damn sure that he would remember and revel in this night for the rest of his life. She had made Moodstone a promise that she would be gentle and gentle was exactly what she was going to be. So instead of pushing him and letting him fall back onto the bed and just pouncing on him, she decided to show him that he could trust her to care for him and not just desire him. She very gently pushed him but held on to him, guiding him backwards so that he was sat on the bed. And then she moved forward and straddled his lap, resting her weight on his thighs and leaning down into his so that when he laid back they were locked in a tight kiss. Don't be afraid, my sweet Leon. Please don't be scared of me. Please. She whispered softly in, her, in his ear. She felt little tremors and tremors pass through him. It, it's not you I'm scared of, he said, his voice sounding guilty, and she spotted that. Then what? Please tell me, she asked softly, and he looked up into her eyes. That I won't please you. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I don't want to disappoint you, he said, and her heart flushed with love for him. It took guts to admit that to her, 
Now it's time for her to reward that leap of faith. Would you like me to show you how? Would you like me to guide you? She asked, and he looked amazed, but nodded eagerly. Yes, please, he said, and she smiled softly. Okay, then. Now, just follow my lead and do what I tell you to do, okay? But if I do something that you don't like or want, you tell me right away, okay? Don't be afraid to speak up. You won't anger or disappoint me. I want this to be wonderful for both of us. A pure expression of love about how we feel about one another. She said, and he nodded, understanding. Then undress me, she said in a soft but commanding voice. And she saw his hands trembling nervously. She caught each one and kissed it before putting it back on her body. His touch was so gentle. She couldn't wait to feel these soft hands on her bare scales. Slowly he unzipped her suit and peeled her out of it. They both kicked off their shoes when they first came in. So he reached her bot- as he reached her bottom half, all she had to do was stand up on the bed and let him peel it off like he was- she was shedding her scales. She turned around to kick her coveralls off and she- as she did she bent forward a bit give him a little show, revealing her rear end to him and lifting her tail just enough to let him see under it. And when she saw him lick his lips, both nervously and wantingly, she still had her underwear on, so there was still more fun to come. She turned around and knelt back down on him, straddling his hips and resting her weight on him. To her pure delight, she felt a hard bulge poking in her rear end. My turn, she growled softly and he nodded. He licked his lips both nervously and excitedly again. She could see the desire in his eyes as they roamed over her nearly naked body, and it spiked with her a want. Don't be afraid to touch me, my love. This is all for you now, as you are all for me, she purred softly. She began to undo his clothing, peeling each layer off him and salivating like she was unwrapping the sweetest of treats. And to her, he was exactly that. Soon he was down to just his boxers, and she revelled in the soft white skin with its soft red hue, and she could see a slight embarrassment to his eyes as she looked him over. Do, do I please you? he asked, and a ping went off in her heart. Oh, my sweet one, you're the most beautiful creature I've ever led joy to lay my eyes upon. You have no idea how happy and lucky I feel to be the one here with you now. She said, running her hands over his soft, warm skin, feeling the soft muscle in his chest below his velvet soft skin that made her loins burn with want. Suddenly an idea struck her. Well, two ideas, actually. She'd heard something about humans and the things they did for their loves. And Moodstone had pretty much confirmed it when she'd asked her, told her the tank to love to do it for her, and would you do it just for the asking? but he also adored doing the very same for him. Your turn again, my beautiful one. Time to unwrap the rest of your present, she purred, and he nodded, running his hands up over her flanks, suddenly revelling in the tickling each and every scale with his fingertips and making her growl with want. He reached behind her and leant down to kiss him, and with a surprisingly deft flick of his nimble fingers, he popped the clasps off her bra and her breasts fell free. She wasn't exactly huge in that department, but before she could even say a word, he breathed, Oh, wow, you're beautiful. 
and he enveloped both of them in his warm, soft hands, sending explosions of pleasure shooting throughout her, making her growl in want. Just one part left, my sweet one, and you get to see all of me. She purred, trying to swallow the pleasure his hands were creating, caressing her breasts, kneading them gently like dough. He, to her surprise and purest delight, lifted his head and very gently teased one of her hardening teats with his hot, powerful tongue, which sent white-hot starbursts of pleasure firing off in her brain. Moodstone was right. Humans really did seem to like to use their mouths for this kind of stuff. His hands retreated slowly down her flanks until they found her underwear, and he hooked his thumbs into the corners, and she braced her thighs, and he began to pull, and she began to rise. So as they came down over her legs, she stood up, until finally she stepped out of them, left him holding her panties like a prize. He actually clutched them like he'd just won something, and finally, when he tore his eyes away from them, he looked up, and his eyes turned into green dinner plates as he saw her naked for the first time. Oh, wow, he breathed. You like what you see, my human? She growled throatily, and he nodded, licking his lips nervously again as his eyes darted all over her naked body. As she moved down to meet him, straddling him again, a delicious plan was forming in her mind of how to coax him to do what she wanted, and the reward she would give him in return for doing it. You have no idea how happy that makes me, but I have an idea of how happy it makes you, she said, grinding her hips over him, making her sopping wet womanhood, which felt like she had a damp waterfall between her legs right now, over his bulge, dampening his underwear with her juices. My turn now, hmm? Let's see. How do I get these off without having to get up again? Oh, I know. She purred, and with that she lay flat on him, letting her scales and his skin rub together wondrously. Then, with her wings, she spun herself, so she found herself facing down his body towards his feet, and he found himself with a very close-up view of her tail-end, so close she could feel his hot, ragged breaths on some very sensitive scales. Moving into a straddling position again, she reached down and hooked her thumbs into his waistband, she slowly began to move his boxers down his legs, and with a springy pop, his manhood sprung free before her face, and now she was the one licking her lips. He was about seven inches long and beautifully thick. It looked truly perfect, and there was something just so wonderful about the human male anatomy. It was like every female of type in the universe found it appealing. Scalifor, Phalenis, Yejuta, hell, even Xenomorphs. All of them knew what an utter delight and true treasure this piece of humanity was, and by the great trio they would fight to protect the owner of theirs. And she couldn't blame them. A little piece of heaven attached to an even bigger piece of heaven made flesh. She ran her hands back up his legs slowly, as when she had leaned forward to push down off his legs, she made a big show of lifting her tail right and high to show off what was hidden underneath to him. If she was getting a nice, clo view up, nice close up view of his goodies, then it was only fair that he got one of hers. Now she dipped her wings and looked over her shoulder to find him utterly mesmerised by her tail end. 
and she brought her tail tip around to stroke his chin and lift it so they were eye to eye. You ready for your first taste, my love? She purred softly and he looked at her with wide eyes. Taste? he asked and she nodded. See, I hear that you human boys can do such incredible things with that wonderful tongue of yours and that you relish tasting your loved one. So I want you to taste me, to use your mouth and your tongue on me, to make me growl and scream for you. Will you do that for me? She asked softly, and he nodded eagerly, licking his lips to prove his point. And she beamed from ear to ear, her heart bouncing in her chest like a Super Bowl. Good boy. And while you do that, I will show you what a good Dragonis girl pays her debts, and to the one she loves, she said, and did he look curious. How? he asked, and she winked at him. You'll see. Now, let's get started, shall we? because right now I'm burning up inside, and I need you to quench that fire with that tongue of yours, she growled, and with that she slowly, slowly, slowly backed up, lifting her tail as she went, until his entire head and face just vanished under it, and she felt his hot breath grow directly up inside her, letting her know that he was now in the right position, and that's when her mind went purely blank. Leon's tongue invaded her like a curious creature exploring a totally new and alien environment. It parted her lips and swirled around, tasting everything it could find. And her breath and heart both stuttered. But by the fucking great tree! she exclaimed suddenly, and he stopped. Did I do something wrong? he exclaimed, his voice sounding muffled as she subconsciously tried to push her womanhood into his mouth to make him start that incredible pleasure again. Put it back in. Don't take it out, she snarled, her dominant side seizing control for a moment, and she felt him jump in fright underneath her before instantly plunging his tongue back in and licking again. A twinge of guilt plucked at her. She hadn't meant to scare him or to snap at him like that. She had to get that shit into check pronto. She didn't want to dominate him. She wanted this to be equal, loving, not dominant and selfish. So gently she lifted her rear end up, making sure she wasn't pushing down on his head. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell, Leon. It just felt so incredibly good when you were doing that. I panicked. I thought you were taking it away from me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. She said, looking under herself so she could see an upside-down view of his face. And she saw him instantly relax. And he patted her thighs at the same time and smiled at her. It, It's okay. Just wasn't expecting it, was all. I uh, thought I'd hurt you or something. And I really don't want to get this wrong. I really want to please you, he said softly. And she felt her heart melt. Finally, a human who yearned for the herd in the same way that she yearned for him. But it also reaffirmed that stopping to do this was the right choice. She shook her head. You didn't hurt me. It felt utterly incredible. So please, try again and just carry on as you were. But please don't take it out again. I um, don't do well with teasing, she admitted to him. And he beamed at her before lifting his head and kissing and nipping at her scaly outer lips with his lips and teeth before locking his mouth to her womanhood and plunging his tongue fully back inside her, making her howl in joy. 
Now it was her turn to fight through the pleasure-soaked mind, to reward her gentle, loving human for the fact that his tongue was dancing around inside her like a white-headed cobra, bringing her more joy than she'd ever had in her entire life. She leaned forward and, using her hands to walk down his body, lowering herself onto him, greedily she began to lick all over his manhood, coiling her long tongue all around it, making him hiss and gasp in pleasure. His skin tasted salty and musky, which was just the way she liked it. It was utterly incredible. She slathered all over his plump, succulent and very full-feeling balls. Oh, she was going to make sure that this night, after this night they were run completely dry. Kissing the tip with her lips up his shaft, she used her hand to peel back his foreskin and revered the glorious flared tip and inhaled his rich aroma. Oh, how she couldn't wait for this to stroke every ridge inside her. But right now, his tongue was doing a completely incredible job all on its own. And with the pressure building in her belly, she knew that soon she would be giving him that very sweet treat. Just as she wanted to get one from him. And with that, she plunged the entire length of his manhood into her mouth and melted at the taste of it. She felt Leon moan in pleasure right into her womanhood sending a flurry of vibrations through her. It was his first time she knew that he wouldn't last long with her doing this to him. And she'd never been with a virginal human before, but he knew that, that their body wasn't used to this kind of torment, so they didn't know how to hold back. But she didn't care how long he lasted, just as long as they got to do it. His stamina would come with time, and it gave her a real sense of joy and pride that she would be the one to help him build it up. But the funny thing was, that even though she was right, and after only a few minutes she began to suck on him and pump him with her coiled tongue, the force of his orgasm hit, shooting hot, thick, creamy human seed right into the back of her greedy mouth, which caused her to release with more force than she'd ever in her life believed, right into his felt him sucking on her, drinking her dry like he was sucking nectar from an orange. It seemed that she pushed all the right buttons, and she knew one little fact that very few outside their race knew. Not even the Scalathorn knew this. Female draconis vaginal secretions were a natural aphrodisiac, and with the way he just drunk from her, when she'd released he dosed himself up. It worked perfectly on his kind by the looks of things because by the time she'd spun round and locked him into a deep and powerful kiss, each tasting themselves in the mouth of the other, she felt him hardening again. Though ironically, it actually worked on her too. Her own secretions had actually the same effect on her as it had on him. She felt the heat and want burning through her lungs like fire. God, I need you, my scaly angel. Please. Please take me. Make me yours, please, Leon begged. And as much as a turn-on as that was, she pressed a finger to his lips and nipped his neck right next to his ear. You never have to beg me, my love. Please, don't ever beg me. I'm yours but for the asking. I don't want to ever hear you beg for it, because I would never deny it to you, she purred. She felt him growl deeply, and that sent a rush of love right through her. He understood, and it gave him confidence. Lifting her up, she gripped his manhood and looked him right in the eyes as she swirled his super-sensitive tip to her burning folds. 
She was looking for his permission, and he gave it with a nod, and in one move she plunged him right into the hilt. She let out a bellow of joy, feeling herself completely envelop him. He filled her so completely that when she finally forced her eyes open again and looked down at him, he was covered in a bright red blush of both pleasure and joy. He reached up to her and drew her down into a long, deep, tender kiss that when they released they looked into each other's eyes. Love me, my scaly angel. Love me the way I have yearned for for a lifetime. And I'll love you the way you deserve to be, he said softly. Shay began to move slowly and surely, and suddenly something inside her mind just clicked, like somebody just flipped a switch in the back of her brain. Normally she would have been pounding on him powerfully and desperately like she was scared he'd evaporate into smoke before she could finish. But with him, it was so completely different. Suddenly she didn't want to be in control. She wanted to be equal. She wanted this to be slow, steady and pure. So with a slow movement, she leaned down, gripped him, and together they rolled over onto their sides, their limbs interlocking together, and it filled her heart with joy to see that he fully understood what she was going for. She wrapped her wings around them both and drew their bodies together inside a scaly cocoon, a cocoon of pure love. Hours melted away, not minutes, but hours. Their bodies found a pure rhythm that neither of them had any control over. It was like their hearts and loins were just speaking to one another, and they had no say in the conversation. They moved together like a perfectly oiled machine, and each stroke of their super-sensitive flesh brought with it more pleasure than either of them had ever experienced before. They just looked at one another, and together their bodies and hearts melded together into one perfect being of love and gentle joy. Until finally, Grey Tree knew how many hours after they began an explosion of the truest and most pure joy that either of them had ever dared to dream of exploded within them at both at exactly the same moment, like a triggered blasting charge, and she felt herself being filled to the brim with hot liquid silk, as he felt himself being milk completely dry of it. When the sleep finally came to claim, claim them, Neither of them spoke. They simply didn't need to. Their bodies had done all the talking they would ever need. And she finally understood it. She understood what Moodstone and Tank had been saying to her. The only way to know the truth of human love was to find it, kindle it, and watch it burn bright. Now she understood. This fire of his would warm her for a lifetime. And no matter what came... Or what happened, a spark of that fire would be protected. Never would she let this flame be taken from her by anyone or anything. This angel was all hers, and here he would remain till the day they joined hands and took their last breaths together, and then walked joyfully, hand in hand, into the shade of the great tree itself. Ah, so that was chapter 38, ladies and gentlemen. So, Rose is about to become a tamer. But will she manage it? Will she become the dream warrior that she hopes to be? Only going to be one way to find out that the answer to that question, and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.